Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. All right, I am Rachel Woody and I'm here with Terry Brandberg and it is Friday, June 7th. And we're gonna start with a pretty easy general one and that is why wine? Uh, I've been doing wine for a long time and like a lot of life, it was an accident to start with. Uh, my uncle was a high school teacher in the East Bay in Contra Costa County and he was he's about 10 or 12 years older than I am and when he when we first moved back to San Francisco in 1960 it was somebody that I kind of looked up to he and my aunt seemed like pretty cool people and he was teaching uh, political science and history at uh, a college or a, a high school in Contra Costa County and they zipped around a cute little MG and he started making some wine as a home winemaker and he called me up one year in, in 1975 and he said I ran across uh, this old Italian gentleman who's growing grapes on the edge of encroaching suburbia in, in Concord and you know, you've expressed an interest in the home winemaking thing, you want to come over and get some grapes. And I went, okay, sounds like fun. And so between that Tuesday phone call and Saturday, I'd picked up a home winemaker's book. I'd visited the home winemaker's shop in San Francisco. I went down to DeBella's, which is this cooperage company that was reconditioning whiskey barrels, uh, bought a barrel, uh, bought some garbage cans to ferment it in, stocked myself up with some hoses and some chemicals and yeasts and stuff like that. And a college friend of mine and I drove over to Concord on a Saturday morning. Uh, we got there about 7 a.m. and uh, this guy is quite a character, Peter Ginocchio. He was a historic figure in the area. He comes out in his coveralls and he goes, ah, before we go to work and pick grapes, we need to have some wine. And since it's before lunch, we'll have white wine. And so he took us into a corner of his barn. And he had the corner set up like a little tasting room. And it was just a beautiful, idyllic scene, uh, you know, barn, farmhouse, orchards, vineyards. And he gave us a little dusty jelly glass of white wine. And then we went out and picked a half a ton of grapes. Most people who start home wine making do like a carboy or something. I started with a whole barrel. And after picking half a ton of grapes, he goes, oh, you guys are great. Stick around and have lunch. So we, his wife brought out a big lunch and we drank some red wine and, you know, had a Italian lunch, several courses. And the whole thing was really fun and I had arranged to have basically my hippie friends waiting for me when I got back. I'd moved from San Francisco to Marin County and we had a grape stomp in the driveway and it was a good excuse for a party and I went, well this is pretty fun. And that first wine turned out really well and I became fascinated with all aspects of it and it just started growing from there. 
So I believe you had your origins in California then. Yes, San Francisco is my hometown. I was actually born in Berkeley. Uh, my dad was a physician. We moved around while he was in school and ended it back up in San Francisco in 1960. And what brought you to Southern Oregon? Uh, well, the, the whole wine thing grew and I was fortunate, I met a neighbor, I'd moved from San Francisco to Fairfax with my former spouse, and I met a neighbor who was growing grapes in Anderson Valley in Mendocino County, and so I started focusing on cool climate varietals, uh, Riesling, Gewürztraminer, and Pinot Noir. I started a label as a real garage winery in 1986. Uh, my first year's production was 300 cases and then I was self-distributed in the San Francisco Bay Area for the first six or seven years. Uh, I met my wife Sue at a tasting in Jackson, Wyoming in 1998, just six months after I'd been divorced and she was in a similar situation. She'd been separated from her husband for a few months after a prior 20-year marriage. We hit it off, she moved to San Francisco a year later and Sue's very much a yes person and looking for an adventure. We started looking for property in California and all the areas. By that time I was doing Pinot Noir from uh, Central Coast being Nacido Vineyard, Anderson Valley, a little bit of Russian River Valley in addition to some other varieties. And we looked for property in the cool coastal valleys of California and Quite frankly, when we started penciling in how much money we had to, you know, throw at this project, uh, California land prices weren't going to get us very far. We were on a trip through Oregon in 2000, and Sue had never been to Oregon, and I have quite a long history of, of having come up here both for recreational things and then wine things. and. Uh, we stopped in and talked to Earl Jones at Abacella, which at that time was a new label to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I had quite a long history of visiting the Umpqua Valley, and I had never heard of Elkton. And Earl and I hit it off. I told him I thought he was raising the bar for the quality of wine in the area. Of course, being a winemaker, I was traveling with wine in the trunk. We ended up doing some trades. He said, go check out Elkton, Pinot Noir, Riesling, and Gewürztraminer has been grown there since 1972. Uh, we didn't make it that trip because we were going to go look at a piece of property up north. Uh, but the following July, we were invited once again to the Steamboat Conference for Pinot Noir winemakers, and we just gave ourselves another week to look around uh, this area. And as soon as we drove into Elkton, I really felt that it had a lot of potential. Got home to San Francisco, got online, found climate data from the Forest Service nursery that had been here for 60 years, calculated that out. I told Sue, it's a bullseye, let's go back and uh, take a serious look. And so that very first day that we came back, driving around with a realtor, uh, he showed us the property that we ended up buying last at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I saw the property, I turned in the back seat where Sue was sitting and I said, this is it. Here we are. Wow. How would you say, in your experience, the California industry compares or doesn't to the Oregon industry and, and how you've seen that evolution? Uh, in California, I kind of stuck to you know some of the 
burgeoning, you know, I didn't spend, I, I did one wine from Napa Valley, a Charbono, which uh, opened some doors for me and got me in some very nice restaurants. But I was never in a position where I could go, you know, buy the premier high-priced grapes from Russian River Valley or Napa, and I was focusing on cool climate varieties. So a lot of my time in California was spent in Anderson Valley in Mendocino County, and I was also sourcing Pinot from uh, Central Coast, uh, being the Cito Vineyard, Santa Barbara area, where I'd gone to school, actually. And, you know, people-wise, the kind of circles that I went around in in California, I think are much more like what you encounter with some of the pioneers here in Oregon, uh, as opposed to some of the real moneyed people who ended up in Napa Valley. So in terms of, you know, how, how the, um, my experience in California is not too dissimilar from what we've encountered here in Oregon. Do you have much involvement with Oregon Wine Growers Association, Oregon Wine Board, in your time here? Well, we got here in January of 2002, and uh, we started interacting even before we moved here with the local wine growers association. Uh, a couple of visits when we were coming back to dig holes on the property, do soil sampling, coincided with grape grower meetings, and so we went to those. And in my past history, I had friends who moved from San Francisco to settle in in the uh, early 80s and so I'd visited the Umpqua Valley a number of times over the years and these were friends who had helped with the home winemaking that I was doing in California and so they you know wanted to go show me the wineries of the area that they would moved to and so I actually got to know Richard Summers a little bit at Hillcrest and uh, Scott Henry at Henry Estate, uh, Philippe Giardet at Giardet and, and some of the people who had been in the industry in years past uh, so we, we became very proactive right away and uh, I was soon elected to the local wine growers association. I served I think three terms on the local board. I was president uh, and then I was encouraged to throw my hat in the ring for the Oregon wine board and I served four years on the Oregon wine board as well. Just went off last December. I was not on a board for a day, and I was asked to be back on the, the local uh, Umpqua Valley Wine Growers Association. And uh, at the first meeting after the election, the officers, it's not elected, it's, you know, by committee appointment, uh, they asked me to be president. I said, I don't really want to jump back into being president right away, so, mm -hmm. so I'm vice president now of the local growers association and probably we'll have to look at a term as president next year, okay. so. With the service that you've done there, especially over at least the last decade, if I calculated all of your terms right, what sort of growth or evolution have you seen in that time? Well, it's, it's a really exciting time to be in Oregon. It's an exciting time to be in this area. Uh, you know, soon I really realize with you know, the funds available to us that we had to be somewhat the pioneers. And that's, you know, in large part why we ended up here in Elkton. We knew there would be challenges to that, but, you know, it's what we accepted and we put our nose to the grindstone and went, okay, well, we're 
going to have to work a little harder. Uh, but having seen the growth of this area from, you know, we're the eighth or ninth winery in 2002, and the current brochure, you know, I just had to proof our ad for it. Uh, we have 23 now, so we've seen, you know, 300% growth in wineries just in this area. Uh, when we arrived in Oregon, we were like 225 or something like that. And there's over 450 wineries in Oregon now. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's fun to see the growth of an industry and be a part of that. Where do you think it'll go from here? Well, I think the stature of Oregon wines will continue to uh, gain recognition on the worldwide stage. Uh, what we do here in Oregon, and I'm never going to be one to badmouth or denigrate California, I mean where I came from, but what I really like about what we can do here is we can get mature flavors at lower sugar levels, and I have always kind of fought against uh, bigger, heavier extractions, higher alcohols, wines made to please a certain segment of the, the wine writing, uh, you know, journalism, which kind of directs sales, which makes it kind of hard to buck that trend. But I think what I see is uh, people are coming back around to wines with some finesse and uh, and I think Oregon is very well poised uh, to offer that to the consumer. And I think it's where Oregon's pretty much always been to a large extent. And so I think the wine buying public and the dining attitudes and, and the drinking attitudes are really coming into alignment with what we do best here. One of the questions we've been asking everyone is Willamette Valley's got the Pinot Noir tag going on to it. Southern Oregon seems a lot more diverse. It's Umqua is the land of the Hundred Valleys. Does that mean it's the land of 100 grapes? Or do you think a varietal identity might emerge? Uh, that's a really good question. And it's something that uh, you know we've tried to address by petitioning for and finally getting an Elkton, Oregon AVA designation, which was just approved March 7th. Uh, Earl Jones is a good friend of ours, and it was he and his son Greg who petitioned for the Southern Oregon AVA specifically to differentiate Southern Oregon from the Willamette Valley. Uh, and just in the Umpqua Valley, we have a tremendous amount of diversity where we are in Elkton and where Earl is down in Winston, we have a thousand growing degree days difference. And so that's like two whole climate regions. That's like going from Burgundy or Alsace to central Spain in the course of less than an hour's drive. It's hard to convey how diverse our area is to the public or the wine consumer. So I think the Elkton AVA will help explain what we do as a cool climate region. Uh, in terms, I, you know, we've Jim Fry from the uh, uh, Sonoma Valley Grape Growers Association came up and gave a talk at a marketing session a couple of years ago, and he spoke of how Sonoma has grappled with that very same issue of doing a lot of different grape varieties very well in different regions. 
and they're sub celebrating the diversity rather than trying to, you know, hook their pony to one particular variety. I, I think that's what we need to do here. I don't think we can, you know, say that it's, it's you know, the Rogue Valley does very much different stuff than what we do here in Elkton. Southern Umpqua Valley does very much different stuff than what we do here. So it, it'll be an ongoing challenge to get that marketing niches to, to figure out, you know, how to describe ourselves. Right. Especially with Elkton being named the newest AVA, do you even break it down to a, an AVA or do you try and go with the larger Southern Oregon identity? Well, when Sioux, we're, we've become one of the, you know, more widely distributed wineries in certainly the Umpqua Valley and probably Southern Oregon. And that has come about by necessity. I mean, of course, everybody would like to sell everything they do straight out of the tasting room and get full retail dollars for it. Here in Elkton, we recognize that we're not going to get the kind of traffic that people closer to the I-5 corridor or Roseburg, a bigger, uh, you know, uh, population center is going to get. And so we, we have to distribute. And as we go out and tell the story about what we do, and why we do it here, you know, I, I certainly think the Elkton AVA is going to help the, help us tell that story. When Sue and I are working in the market, you know, we're Oregon first always. And it amazes me, you can stand in a wine shop in, you know, Manhattan and Chelsea and be, you know, people are coming to a wine tasting and they go, oh, I didn't know they made wine in Oregon. And it's like, okay, well, that's the first challenge, second down on the left. Uh, then we narrow the focus down into, you know, our Umpqua Valley AVA and then we get more specific yet and talk about, you know, within the Umpqua Valley, we're in Elkton, which is a cool climate region. So, so I, I, I think it'll help tell that story for sure. For your own winery, what are the varietals that you're feeling most interested in or that have worked well for you in the Elkton region? Well, when we learned that uh, Riesling, Gewürztraminer, and Pinot Noir had been grown in Elkton since 1972, uh, those were the main varieties that I had worked with and had fondness for, primarily from Anderson Valley in California. So those three are our top three. Uh, Pinot Noir is about 70% of our production at this point. Uh, we make uh, Pinot Gris, we source from the farthest south we work with anybody in the Umpqua Valley is Melrose and Southport Vineyard, uh, which is northeast of Roseburg. Uh, but, you know, those are our three top varieties. And in the national marketplace, it's primarily Gewürztraminer and Pinot Noir mm -hmm. and Pinot Gris are our biggest sellers. So. What aspect of being in the wine industry or being a part of these committees, do you feel most passionate about? Uh, just seeing the continuing growth and development of the industry. Uh, when we moved here, it was a little bit, I don't know, flabbergasting to us almost that, you know, Douglas County had been the biggest timber shipping county in the whole country. And the timber industry is not going to return to those kinds of levels again. And, uh, you know, I think the wine industry has a chance to help the economic viability of the area and uh, help the development of the area. 
For the first time we've seen some money go from the timber industry into the grape industry. Uh, the owner of Douglas County Forest Products has committed a huge investment into developing 450 acres of vineyard in the Garden Valley area of Roseburg. So just being part of that cycle and, you know, uh, we have a long ways to go here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's, uh, we love the area, but, you know, there's certainly challenges to having moved from the middle of San Francisco to Elkton, Oregon, population 170. Right. Where do you go out to dinner? <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and who is your consumer? Mm-hmm if it's not the community. Oh, we get some support from the community. I mean, you know, but 170 people isn't going to sustain a winery, so. I mean, we have more, bar we have five times as many barrels in here as the population of the town, so. Yeah. What advice do you have for people who are interested in getting into an Oregon wine industry venture? Uh, start with more money than I had. <laughs> there's, there's never enough money. You know, I, my day job in San Francisco, I worked on the waterfront for 25 years doing longshore warehouse work. Uh, we have, you know, scraped by and uh, reinvested everything that we've been making uh, into our business. Uh, we love the work. We're not complaining, but, uh, you know, you can never have enough capital to get into this business. And then also uh, we're really hoping uh, to get continuing uh, support of the SOE program in Roseburg. Mm -hmm. We were strong advocates of that development. And I think that'll, you know, help create some expertise and, and you know, Merlin was one of the first graduates or he was in the first graduating class and we fired him. so. Yeah, money and knowledge. Mm -hmm. Well, are there any questions that I haven't asked you that I probably should have? Hmm. Or any final thoughts you have for us? No. No? All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time and for your valuable insight. Oh, well, you're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.